podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so excited you decided to join us. Before we jump in and deep dive into our subject today, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsor, sponsors, plural. Uh, first of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. It, it, the customer service is, I, I can tell you a story of like, oh, geez, maybe it was two or three years ago where I couldn't get, I, it was, and it was an older machine. It wasn't one of the newer machines, but I couldn't get it. And they, they literally sat on the phone with me for almost an hour um, trying to problem solve. Eventually we got it. Eventually we needed to get a couple pieces kind of sent, but um, their customer service. And that, that, that for, at that point on, they had a customer for life. So go mention Coach Unplugged or, or Coach Collins or any of us, and they'll give you $400 off. For you, I said it right, $400 off your next purchase. Also go over and check out tubes.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, if you're looking to become a better basketball coach, you're looking to expand, if you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking for resources, tubes.com is the answer. It's the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It's better than Netflix because it comes with me. <laughs> it comes with one-on-one -on -one calls. It comes with um, resources and things to make you a better basketball coach. It has everything that you're going to need in one spot. It has the roadmap set up for you so you know to kind of kind of go tackle other things that you need in order to solve um, your basketball questions. So go over and check it out. It also helps us pay the bills. So go over and check that out. Also, I, and I said this, um, I, I said this on a, on a couple other podcasts. We'd love if you go over and check out our other podcasts, High School Hoops, uh, the Five Minute Basketball Coaching Podcast, the Funnel Down Defense Podcast. Go over and check those out. I think you'll love those. Um, we love sharing with the world and leave a five star review. Let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm not even going to try to guess which episode this is going to be, Coach. Um, so, Coach and I have known each God, I'm, I was trying to think back when the boys started playing together. It's been a, it, 11 been, and under. 11 and under. Fourth grade, I think it was, Coach. What, really? Yep. Wow. They were in fourth grade, and we were in Kakana for practice. Uh, we were, we were with, uh, with, uh, yes. So, and before we knew each other, I actually ran into you at McDonald's during the boys practice. So I remember that. Oh, I don't even remember that. I, yeah. uh, I, um, oh, wow. That's small world. I don't even remember. I do. Rem I remember it now that you said that the funny part is <laughs> your son and my son are going to be able to basically say they were on an AAU team with an NBA guy. Yes, exactly. They will. I, and I remember saying back then that if, if I was a coach at Wisconsin, I would have offered him in fourth grade. Oh, you and I knew. We knew. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking about Jalen Johnson. Like, I, I, you could. I mean, and I was. I think I, I was taking Jalen at that point. I think I was yeah. picking him up and taking him and stuff. And so here's this is the one percenter. We'll get into this in a second. This is what I talk about with Birdwalk and just go down whatever road. I you can tell the great ones early like yeah. you can't tell the six man on an nba roster is easy but he, this kid's gonna be he, he's special yeah he's special he's next level he's a great sure. kid great family but he's like oh yeah you could just that was like a basketball he has a basketball body yes. like yeah and, and the way he yeah. grader, he was already 
like he had he always runs on his tiptoes i know so i remember as a fourth grader thinking he ran kind of like dennis rodman you know yeah it's like it's like it's like he's walking on air there and 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 there's some there's i don't know if you've been on twitter or stuff there was a dunk that he did recently yes i saw that oh my god (laughs) <laughs> just we're, we're doing this in july so i'm not sure when this is gonna go live but if you go on twitter type in jalen johnson dunk you should be able to find it i think yeah um wisconsin type in wisconsin whatever he's going to duke great kid anyway um all right so mark and i've known each other a long time so what i'm gonna have you do is introduce yourself and then i want you to kind of tell your basketball journey so that's usually the way i start my podcast out um uh, you know, just kind of tell where you, where you grew up, where you played, all that kind of stuff. Just give a little background. And then, sure. uh, and then you and I, this will be very convers. I told Mark before we came on, this is going to be very conversational because uh, we've known each other so long. So that's good. I don't always do that. And that's, that's I had one last night and it wasn't as con- It was a great podcast, but it wasn't as conversational. Yeah. So this will be awesome. So um, just introduce yourself and kind of tell your, your story, Mark. Yeah. Um, obviously my name is Mark Knoll and I'm from Colfax, Wisconsin is where I grew up. Okay. So you uh, saw so time out. So you got to tell everybody where Colfax is in relation to Wisconsin that are listening. Yep. Colfax is about 25 minutes North of Eau Claire and about 15 minutes Northeast of Menominee, Wisconsin. Okay. So how far is it from the twin cities? Minneapolis. Oh, it's only an hour and 15 minutes. You can be at the Minneapolis airport. Yeah. So that's so people, cause people all around the world listen to this. So if you think of if you think of it, it's probably, yeah. So it's a, it would be what an hour, hour plus from uh, east of, of Minneapolis or the twin Correct. cities. And yeah. then from, from how long would it take you from Colfax to like Milwaukee or Chicago? Two hours, three uh, hours? To Milwaukee, you're looking right at about four hours, 410. Okay. Like yeah, it's Northern Woods. If you've ever watched on Golden Pond, Colfax is like the North Woods. Yeah, it's yeah, God's it country. Yeah. <laughs> and so grew up in Colfax, Wisconsin, and 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 you'll like this coach, but, uh, if, you know, Dick Diener, he was at Colfax and won his first state championship there in 1978. I did not know that. Yes. And and they had their their tallest starter was six foot tall on that. And team. where did Dick end up then? Well, then he was at Fond du Lac for a long time. Long time. You know, now he's an assistant coach with one of his sons at a Division two school. In oh, Illinois. He is. Okay. Yeah. 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 So so okay. So I didn't know he won one. He never won one at Fond du Lac. Okay. Um, but yeah, I knew I that they were always they had some good seasons, good years, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, 1978, they won their won a state championship there in Colfax. So oh. I was eight years old at the time when that happened. Oh wow! Uh, I bet that was a big deal in that town. Yeah, yeah, and they still talk about it, obviously. I, I, bet, I bet they do. <laughs> I bet they do. Uh, but growing up, you know, I obviously um, played at Colfax, and then actually my senior year, I I transferred to Eau Claire Regis High School. Okay. And played for Coach Bill Allman. And Bill Allman is in the, I think he's somewhere around number six, number seven in the state of Wisconsin for all-time wins. Um, and he just retired from the high school um, this year. But uh, from coaching, it was two years ago is when he retired from, from Eau Claire Regis. Okay. Um, and, and we went to state champion. We went to the WISA state tournament. 
Okay. And and to go to the state tournament, we've actually beat Madison Edgewood. So right in your neck Ooh, of the wow. woods. Wow. And Wissa is Wissa was okay. So let me for people that are listening, Wissa was the private school bracket in the state of Wisconsin. So we had WIA and we had Wissa. I don't remember what year they came together. Now we only have one association, yeah. but it was a separate one. It was private schools and the public schools. But all right, go ahead. Yeah, and, and so we made to state, um, beat Edgewood to go to state. In our first game, we were lucky enough to play Nick Van Exel and oh Kenosha St. Joe. Who, who was was Maturi at uh, Edgewood? Who's that coach um, at Edgewood? I, I I think so. He was there for a long time. So, right. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, John Morgan's one of my assistants. He was a head coach there too. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to ask. I'll have to ask John. Game. I'll have to ask him. I'll have to ask him. So we played Nick Van Exel, and, and I believe we lost by around six points. We were happy to to hold him to twenty three points. He was averaging almost thirty one points a game a senior year. Right. Um, and then they, I know Jim McIlvain was at the state tournament at that same time. Um, and then I, you know, when I graduated from Oak Ridge in nineteen eighty nine. I, I went through a little phase there. I was trying to decide what my next move was, you know, and, and whether I wanted to, um, you know, what level of basketball I wanted to try to maybe play at, all those things. And I ended up um, going to Madison College for one year and, and played okay. for Mike Dyer there. Okay. And, and Mike Dyer still lives in Madison. Yeah. And actually his daughter, Michaela, played for me in AAU basketball. And, and she went on to play at North Dakota okay. and was – they're all time leading scorer for their division one era that, that they've had when she graduated. Okay. Um, but coach Dyer and I still have a great relationship. We still talk quite a bit. Um, and then after that, I left and went and played at Mount scenario college for Eddie Andrus. Oh, and, I know Eddie. And we yep. won a national championship in 1991 there at, for small schools and, uh, had, Did a, he, you know, yeah. and, and how long was he there? Eddie how long was he there? Eddie was there from, 1990 to 2000 because in 2000 he got the head job at uw stout okay okay and i actually helped him i was an assistant there for one year but okay so i played for eddie we won a national championship met a lot of great friends guys that are i just lost them somehow no yeah you're still on i got you i got you all right one second coach i think she lost this game there you go and uh um, so we don't after, edit this. We don't edit this. So anyone's listening, we don't edit this. We just leave it. Go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say anything bad then. No, yeah. Don't swear. Or I'm gonna have to put an e on it. But otherwise, we just leave it. It's okay. It's it's real. Go ahead. <laughs> so after uh, Mount Scenario, um, I actually my my dad, um, my sister is four years younger than me. And, and she always had a really good team that she played. And my dad always coached my teams, youth teams, and my sister's youth teams. And they were always going over to Minnesota, being it's only an hour away and playing in a lot of big AAU tournaments there. Right. And, and not knowing that they were AAU. And one of those guys asked my dad, like, hey, what is, what do you guys, where do you, do you guys play AAU in Wisconsin? My dad's like, what is that? So right. he found out and put together a team and, and went to a national tournament. And this is when I was uh, a going into my senior year. Okay. And that's how I got into coaching on the women's side of the game okay. was because of AAU connections. Right. And, um, so way back. So they put together a team. I remember I was helping my dad coach his team. We went to the nationals and we thought we had this really good team from North Northwest Wisconsin. 
and we were playing a team from California that had five girls that were, you know, all six foot plus, and they had right. one that was six five in eighth grade, you know, and and that's kind of what started a lot of my love for for women's basketball, especially. Right. Um, then as as I uh, transitioned and actually got hired at Mount Scenario College, Eddie Andrus hired me to be the women's coach when I was 23 years old, and it it. it um, I was there for one year, did that one year, and um, decided I got Mark Thomas at UW Stout, who was the all-time winningest coach at UW Stout and second all-time in the WIAC for women's basketball, asked me to come and help him at UW Stout. Okay. So as I was there, um, I was there for two stints, the one in the late 90s, and I helped helped him win their school's first ever women's basketball championship in 1997 okay um and then i was there for two years with coach thomas and then uh, i I got hired by a family to be a personal trainer for their kids i did that for a couple years and then eddie andrus got hired at uw stout for the men's coach and i was living there so he asked me to be an assistant with him (laughs) so i did that for one year and then I went back to the personal training for after that, because at that time, they wouldn't allow you to do AAU and college at the same time, which now they do. Okay. But back then, they didn't. So I was only doing it at a year at a time, and I would get out of it so I could still do the AAU stuff. Right. Um, and then in 2003, I went back to the women's basketball side with Mark Thomas. And in 2005, six, and seven, we won the conference championship and the and the tournament championship, and made to the Sweet 16 two times, and had a great time. And as and then after that third championship in a row, I kind of knew it was time for me to become a head coach. Right. <laughs> and decided that you know I start I applied for two jobs and and I won't name the other one, but I was in the final four for that one. But before I could get any further with that one, the University of Dubuque offered me their job. Right. And I took it. Okay. And so I was there for 13 years. And in our 13 years at at UD, um, we basically broke every record that there is at the school. Uh, Before we got there, they had five winning seasons in 26 years. And in my 13 years, we had six winning seasons and all six. So of them what other schools? So tell people what other schools are. I forget what other schools are in Dubuque other than University of Dubuque. In the city of Dubuque? Yeah. We have lower, there was Lawrence College there. Okay. Yep. And Clark University. Clark. Now. Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clark. Okay. Yeah. And Clark's yep. NAIA, right? Yes, they're NAIA. Okay. Yep. So it's a little different. And they used to be in the same conference. All three of them used to, at one time, we're all in the same conference together, but now They've been separated for a while. That's probably um, better, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. it really is. It's, <laughs> tough. Think... it's tough just having another rival in your same city. You know, it was that at the was, same that at was, the it, same level. It's got to be like if they're D one, it doesn't matter. But they're they're competing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. Um, but it made it for it made it a lot of fun too. You know, those games were sold out. You know, basically sold out every time we would play Loris College. There would be. You know, at UD, our gym would seat about 2,100, and there would be 2,100 people. People there. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, oh, I bet. In 2015, we won the school's first ever women's basketball championship. You know, before we got there, the best they'd ever done was one time they finished fifth place. 
Right. And 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 the, during my time, we finished fifth twice, finished third twice, second and first. It's a great facility. It's great. Yeah, it's up it on the hill, and yeah. Yeah, the university's put a lot of money into the school, and it, you know, it's a very it's a very nice school. I, I, I worry um, about the I worry about those schools now. Yes. I do. I think there's a lot of private schools I would be very worried about. This, you know, because they do live on that it's tuition. You know, it's it's enro enrollment driven. It is. You know? And so right now, it's it's some of these schools I'm sure are really going to be stretching their every dollar that they get. Right. Oh, I I bet. And if kids don't show up, or they decide they don't want to do it, or yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a unique world for people that are. They're listening to this years from now. It's like we're in the middle of the pandemic right now when we're taping well, this. We're like Coach, literally. One thing I would do is I, if I was out there looking at private schools as a, as a young person, this and there's a lot of different advice there. But one I would give is look at the school's endowments. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that will tell you know you, Drew. You know Drew. My Drew's going to Middlebury. Yes, I saw. You that. know what That's their awesome. endowment is? What is it, Coach? It's one point one billion. <laughs> with a yeah. b so if people aren't hearing it b billion and the school is like 2800 kids yeah they'll be okay they're okay like they're not gonna go under like <laughs> the stuff they're sending out right now it's like well we're gonna do all this testing it's like they're, they're just gonna do whatever they gotta do um yeah. yeah so drew's taking a gap year but i don't know if you knew that, he's gonna that. Take, yeah he's gonna take a year off i think that's a good decision for him yeah and I might, he might, we might all kill each other in our house. It depends on the, the day. Same, I, I understand it a hundred percent. I get it. You he know? just doesn't want to do online. He just yeah. doesn't want to do like the miserable online stuff. And I don't blame and on him. The, on the, as you know, on the East coast, that's where you're seeing and East and West right now is where you're seeing a lot of the D threes and other conferences that are putting it off until well, Ivy's semester. Ivy's called off sport and, and the NASDAQ, which is there in the NASDAQ, they called off all fall sport done. Not happening. It's all. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. So like, I, I think that is the right decision to take a gap year and. Yeah. And, and you know sometimes that's a good that's some, some I did that as 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 myself and right. that during that year is probably one of the best things for me because it really helped me get focused on what I really. Oh yeah, he's to gonna do. figure. I think he's gonna go. I think he's gonna go traveling with his with his um cousin some and um. Okay. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll just whatever. It's like. Yep. If, if you if you go anywhere and you come back i'm quarantining you like i told him i said i'm gonna get you a hotel room and you're not gonna get close to me for like a week if you go <laughs> anywhere but that's fine that's all yeah. cool um all right so let's talk let's talk hoops a little bit so what did you what did you this is this is some of the specific questions i have so when you went into ud was there anything you did as far as building the program because that always intrigues me when people take over programs like that that hadn't been because yeah. I did that at Memorial too. They were horrible. And it's like, it always intrigues me how people tackle that problem. Yeah. And for me, coach, what, what I did and obviously being a college, college situation is different obviously than a high school, but some ways you can be similar. Um, and the, I was fortunate enough that I surrounded myself with other, you know, good assistant coaches and good help. And, and, and I just decided, you know what, we're, here's what we're going to do. And actually, when I was at Stout, I took over the tennis program and never, I was not a tennis player and, ah. and never coached tennis, you know, but the athletic director asked me if I would do it. I said, sure. And then realized that they had had six years in a row of not winning a tennis match. Right. Okay. And my first year, we won two. The second year, we won five. Third right. year, I think it was seven. The fourth year, we were up to 12. Right. And the best season they still have ever had. 
Right. Um, so when I found out during that experience was it's all about numbers and recruiting. So my first year at, at UD, we brought in 19 players. My second year, we brought in 17 players and I started a JV program which they had not, they did not have at that time. Right. And gave them a schedule of about 10 to 12 games a year. And, and, you know, and, and we found out in a hurry who, who was, who wanted to work hard, who was really committed. Right. And who was all, who was all about it. Who was all in. Yeah. So what, what makes it hard recruiting at that level? Well, obviously, you know, and I, with the great thing for me is I have experience in the private schools and the public schools. Right. When, when I was at UW Stout and we'd go out recruiting, all those years I never got asked once what it would cost to go to UW Stout. No one ever really? asked. Really. No one ever asked. You know, because it's a state school. They and they just looked it up. Or, yeah. And yeah. When I'm at the University of Dubuque, the first thing that they would they always asked me was was what's it going to cost. You know, and I would have to explain to them that it's a process and we're going to have to, you know, apply and, and you're going to have to look at your grades. We're going to have to look at all those things. Right. And so it's a different, it's a different game. But well, and I think, and this is, this is important for, especially for the listeners. It's like, you don't necessarily play sticker. Like, yeah. like, you know, yeah. If, so, so anybody, if you want to, if you want some fun, Google what Middlebury costs. I won't say it on air. Google it. How much it costs. I'm not paying that. Trust me. Yeah. So I'm not. And that's what I, I always try to explain <laughs> that to everyone, Steve, was don't get caught up on the sticker price because no one ever pays that unless you're not going to file for financial aid. You're not going to do right. anything. And, or you just like, I got so much. I just want my kid to go there. Here's the check. Let them in. And they'll let yeah. them in then. Trust me. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'll let them in if they write a check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that was the big difference for me when with recruiting between the public and private schools. But how we really started it at UD and really got it going right away, and and it was fun because when I took that job, I remember the athletic director telling me we would be lucky to win five games that first year. And, and when did they and, build the gym? Um, that was well in my second year. That was in the second year that I was there that that gym got finished. Okay. And then, so in my, my first year, we played in the practice gym, which was right down the hall. I'm not sure if you ever saw that or not. But we have two I don't know if I saw that one. How, many, how much did that seat? Um, the old one or the new? The, the one old one. The old one was probably around 850, 900 maybe. And, 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 how did, and how did that work with the boys program and practicing and all those kind of things? Yeah. And that's what, you know, we had always, I would always sell that with my recruits is that we're fortunate that we have two gyms and one facility. So we would always practice at roughly at the same time, but we would just alternate every other day with the men and the women. Okay. So if one day we're in the main gym, the next day we're in, we're in the practice gym and we just rotate it. And then we worked a system out where, when we got the conference games, you know, we would make sure that we were in the gym before the conference game and the next conference game, the men were. Oh. So we'd rotate that too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like what we do for ours is we always practice. We have a field house too, but we always practice early the day before a game, you know? Okay. Um, Cause I, I only want to practice in the court I play in. Cause that's just yep. me. Um, yeah. But I always get, I, yeah, so we always work. So those, those things logistically are so important. I know I, I yeah. agree. 
Um, and one thing we did, Coach, that was always fun is like we, our games are always double headers. Conference games were double headers with the with the men's program, ah. and the women would always play first. Okay, okay. And the men would play second. And and once we build that, we our second year. Once we built the JV program, after our varsity games, we would go just down the hall to our other gym and play the varsity reserve game. After the until all the parents, all the kids, everyone's there. And so I would try to get as many of these other teams that we were playing um, to make sure that they bring enough to play another game. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And so basically, in the, in, and now it's called the American Rivers Conference, but um, every team in the conference basically has a JV program now. Well, and that's good for, it's good for admissions too, because they're getting kids to come to the school. And what's the, what was the radius, your recruiting radius? Yeah, I, I basically had a four-hour radius of the University of Dubuque. Okay. But also, with that said, um, your contacts, you know, and, and I had kids from as Texas, um, Georgia, Utah, the country of Qatar. Right. I've had uh, Germany. I had kids from all those places come play for me at UD. Okay. So our main one was four hours, but we would also reach out of that with our contacts. And what percentage are Minneapolis? Well, how many kids that came from Minneapolis? Yeah. Literally, I really didn't recruit Minnesota that much because we were still um, almost five hours from five Minneapolis. Five hours too far. Okay. So it's yeah. basically Wisconsin. Okay. I did have two or three kids from Minneapolis area come play for me. But majority, really where we would hit more coach is in Chicago. You know, Chicago's only two and a half hours away. Right. And so we got a lot of kids from Chicago and to the point where I would say majority of the time it was, pro if I had to guess, honestly, on a normal season and stuff, our, our program was probably 40 to 45% Wisconsin, another 30 to 35% um illinois and then the 20 25 percent um iowa and that's well, where nice. and i where in iowa they come from mostly um mostly the eastern part you know from the central on over to the eastern because in in the state of iowa if in my opinion des moines Ames, over that way they look at dubuque kind of like how you probably look at superior you know, that's just so far away and that they don't want it. There's nothing, no reason to go over there. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so we would just kind of stay more on the Eastern part. Right. Of I mean, yeah, you're not going to recruit a kid from Madison to go to Superior very often. Right. Yeah. It's just not going <laughs> to happen. I mean, I, I can't even, I can't even think of a kid that's played basketball that gone to Superior from Madison. Yeah. Me neither. Ever. Like, it's just, it's a different world. Like, yeah. Yes, and it's just not, this just doesn't appease them. It's, you know, when they've grown up in a Madison, that just doesn't, it's right. not what they want. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it's an interesting, I think recruiting like that is an interesting cookie in the sense that like Madison Edgewood, which is a D3 school in Madison has a hard time getting Madison kids. Yeah. Like they want to leave. Like it's, yeah. they don't, they don't want to go to the little school in the big city. Um, and I've always said that coach in, you know, my 21 years of recruiting when, you know, and, you can tell, I'd like to hear from you how many of your players have gone on to play even in the WIC because I, I feel like the Madison kids, for whatever reason, like you just said, they really want to get out. So they go to schools everywhere else except for really Wisconsin, it almost feels like. 
It, 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 I, it, it's, it, it, I mean, I can think of a couple this year that are going to some WEACs, but um, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, that, is a, that is a unique thing. Um, I don't know. It could be a Madison thing, but it's the same with Milwaukee. You don't see a lot of the Milwaukee kids going, you no. know, you see them going to Whitewater a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you don't see that. I mean, yeah. It's a, I think that's I think that's interesting. I think recruit recruiting is an interesting cookie. It really is. It really is. And um, that's what makes it that's what makes it a, a fun job, you know, when when you are recruiting and meeting so many different people and families and And how do you do that during the season? Do you send assistants out or or do you go out or I mean how During you... the season it made it a little harder because if our practices practices typically were uh almost like a four to six or if I got lucky and it was a three thirty to five thirty range, that that only gave me an hour and a half window to get somewhere by game time. You know, so once in a while I might be able to leave a little early and and let the assistants run the practice. But a lot of times they're the ones that were, you know, going out and, and maybe going to the games over three hours or two and a half hours away. Right. And a lot of phone calls. That's where I came in play is, you know, talking to them on the phone and, and building those relationships. And when, and when, when did that window start? Your well, recruiting window? Yeah. For, I would say for, for me, you know, everyone's a little different. You know, now I think they've given us a, a window now that you could talk to these kids earlier than you used to be able to, but I still think division three, you're going to see most of them talking to them probably in the spring of their junior years where it starts to pick up. Right. That's where it kind of starts to pick up because if, if I'm recruiting a kid too early and, and, and obviously they're all, everyone wants that kid that's that borderline division two type kid. Right. Well, you might spend a lot of time on that kid and then all of a sudden they're going division two, which that's going to happen. You right. Know, if you're, you know, if you got a good program, you're going to, you're going to go after those kind of kids. But I would say using the junior year going into that, that's that, that um, summer where you if, if they decide that they are playing on a club team or whatever that you can go and watch them then that's when we start to maybe get it down to honestly about a hundred kids in the right. summer and then during the summer into the fall is when we start finding out who's really serious and, who, and what's who, the hardest thing to what's the hardest thing to recruit like the hardest it, thing yeah is it a, is it a forward is it a shooter is it a it's going to be your five player because, you know, anyone on, you know, on just like on men's basketball and men's right. basketball, if anyone's six, six and they can run and, and, and not trip over their own feet, they got a good chance of getting some money somewhere. Right. You know, so on the women's side, it's right around that six foot range. Anyone that's six foot or taller that, that has a little skill to them, or at least has that potential that they're, they're probably going to get some kind of money somewhere. You know, and that's what made recruiting interesting in Iowa versus Wisconsin. In Iowa, you have a lot of uh, junior colleges that all offer scholarships and NEIA schools that offer scholarships. Where in Wisconsin, they don't, they, you know, now they've even made it, the schools that they do have basketball even smaller, but none right. of them offer scholarships really. One does in Wisconsin. Right. Um, and then there's only two NEIA schools in Wisconsin. Right. Is NAI dying? Um, you know, I obviously I, I 
I don't want to say anything bad that anyone's going to take it the wrong way. I, I don't think it's dying. I think one thing that they've done, which I, I in my opinion, is really smart for the NAIA, is they're going into one division. They this are. Year, so I was talking to an NAIA coach recently. That's in, that's intriguing to me. Um, yes. I think and it's I think good for good the, I think it's good. I just I worry about the big. And that wasn't a rip on NAI. I think NAI is great. I think it's got yeah. a spot. I think JUCO has a spot. It's more, I always worry about Big Brother coming in and eating them. Like, yes. the NCAA you're, is going. Yeah, you're going to have the haves and yeah. the haves and have nots, right? Right. But I still, I don't know the rules because I'm not an NAI, it wasn't an NAI coach, but I, I have friends that are. And I, I believe that they're going to have it where I think the max is like eight, eight scholarships. Right. You know, but some schools may not be able to give out eight full rides. Right. You know, they might only have four or five, right. and then they split it up amongst however many. Yeah, kids it's they like want. it's like being a baseball. It's like a, being a baseball coach. I know. It's like, you, you, the good players don't you know take up one yeah, of the yeah. eight, and then it's like you gotta you get a third. I mean, that's like that's the funny part I think about Division Two, um, yeah. in the, at least in the boys' side, it's like some of these schools in Minnesota. They'll offer them a scholarship, but they're giving them thirty percent. Like, yes. and then and then it would be cheaper for them to go to Platteville. Like, yeah, you know, okay. I mean, I, I, part of it is they're running after the number, which just irritates me to no end. Yes. Um, yeah, and I was going to say that you know they're they're just going after. They want to be able to tell everyone they got a scholarship, and that and that they're going Division Two or whatever division right, it is. Right. Right. And it's like, really? It's like, okay, that's that's fine. I, I always tell them I always tell the guys that don't don't chase the number, man. Find the school. Don't chase yes. the number. It's like there's there's bad D one schools you could go to, but it doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Um, you're not gonna get oh, yeah. a good education either. Um, so um <laughs> to be honest with you, you'll get as good an education in the WEAC as you will anywhere. What um so if you had to summarize your coaching philosophy, give me give me a Give me a two-paragraph summary of your coaching philosophy. What would it be? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him a pause. I'll give him a second to gather himself, so I'll talk for a second to give him a second. Because this isn't on my sheet, but it intrigues me. I just – yeah, I've seen your teams play, so it just intrigues me. Well, I think, I think you have to start first with building relationships and 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 having uh relationships with with your players and 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 obviously their families all that stuff is is very important and i and i think with that also is is um when it comes to the basketball side of things i i hold on <laughs> so so i don't know how long i don't i'll go back and edit that That's so okay, mark yeah. was talking and then my phone was going off and then i left I put this on YouTube too. So he, he was talking and then all of a sudden I wasn't in the screen. So I'm not sure when he stopped coach. I, I paused for a little bit and then I thought, well, better keep going. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. So tell me, you summarize it again so I can hear it and then I'll yeah, cut and it out. And I, so. I didn't say a lot. So, okay. Okay. Um, but I think first of all, I, I started with just relationships, right? Building, building trust with your team, with your, with your team and your players and your families and, and all that is so important. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing, Coach, I've always, you know, I've always used in my recruiting and all that stuff, but when, when you sh when, if, this, if this is your level of what you're capable of doing right here, this is what your max is, right. once we find out what that max was, we're going to expect that every single day. Right. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, um, 
We love those. Um, and send me an email, steve at teachhoops.com. Tell me what you want to hear in the future. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.